Hey, I'm Randy Mosteller. I'm your executive pastor, and um, this is way outside my comfort zone because I'm normally in the back running around, putting out fires, making sure everything else is running like it should and people have what they need and everything. So this is way out of sight of that for me. Um, I'm normally behind the scenes doing what needs to be done, trying to make Scott look good, and that is a full-time job. <laughs> so... Most of the time, I've got lots of hats on. I'm, I'm taking care of facilities, um, the buildings. I'm, I'm the guy who answers the phone when the, all the electric companies call and want to change your contract and stuff. I, I deal with all that stuff. Um, I help the staff come together and make sure that they're supported. Strategic planning, I do a lot of that. Um, general firemen, that's, that's what I do. But a big piece of what I do is, um, is finance. Um, I make sure the lights stay on, that the staff gets paid, that the bills get paid, um, all of those things. Um, so that's, that's a big piece of what I do. Um, this year's been difficult, as you know, um, with, with everything that, that, that we've gone through with trying to get the daycare up and running. I'm glad to hear that we're up above 30 kids over there now. So that's huge. And as that continues to grow, that's going to help us here as well as over there. So it's, it's exciting to see what happens. Um, this year was tough because, as most of you know, we were working between two different giving platforms earlier in the year, and then we switched over to Subsplash um, with the new website and the app and everything, and that just made a complete mess. Trying to get two systems to talk to each other, it's ugly. It's ugly. I got more gray hair now than I had before because of that. Um, if you haven't got your giving statement yet, let me know. Um, the correct one went out about the 4th of February from Subsplash. It doesn't look like it came from me. It doesn't look like it came from community. It's, just, it's from Subsplash, and um, hopefully it's correct. If you haven't got it or if you deleted it because you didn't know what it was, contact me and I will get you the correct statement. Okay, a lot of you already have. Right, Glenn? I sent you yours last night, by the way. Okay, so you're good. So, um, yeah, just um, let me know and I'll get you that as quick as I can. So that's, that's my commercial. Now on to the rest of it, okay? I'd like to thank you all for being here and congratulate you on coming back after knowing well in advance that we're talking about money, okay? That's, that's, a, that's something really odd for this church to be talking about money. I think the last time we did it was back in 2017 when, when we were just getting ready to get the, the capital campaign rolling for the comm. Um, so this is, this is special. This is special. To, for me, it's special. I don't know for you guys if it's special or not, but for, for me, it is. Um, when Scott asked me to speak, my first response was, why? Um, aren't you going to be here for this? He says, no, I can't be here for this because I've got a board meeting with New International, our, our, our mission partners that week, so I'm not going to be able to be here. I said, okay, that's acceptable excuse. Okay. Then I turn around and say, can't Joel or Shelley do it? And he said, sure they could. 
but you're the most qualified and the most passionate to talk about this topic. Um, and, you know, I, I'm on him a lot about when are you going to talk about money? When are you going to talk about stewardship? When are you going to talk about giving in general? So when he asked me, I really couldn't say no. So here I am. Lucky you. You know? Again, this is not my gig, but I'm going to do my best for you. So say, say a quick little prayer for me that, that, that we all get through this together. All right? Um, I can talk about money all day long with people. I can talk about the ins and the outs and how it works and, 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 and what we do with it and how we do more with less than any other organization I've ever been involved with and, and really proud of that. But I'm up here also because you know that Jesus spoke about money more than anything else. I was surprised. You know, 16 of the 38 parables that he told concerned how to handle money or, their, or possessions. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 10, um, one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, directly dealt with, this, with the topic of money. The entire Bible offers about 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 on money. Does that surprise you guys at all? That, that there's that much in the Bible and from Jesus about money. Why do, why do you think that is? We're going to discover that this morning, okay? We are. Um, as I get rolling here, I want to give you a fair warning that I have been told by my wife that I'm kind of a straight shooter and can be a little bit blunt from time to time, okay? So that's, that's the warning, and if I say anything that really makes you feel uncomfortable or upset or anything like that, send your complaints to Joel at communitychristianchurch.com. I know it's an old joke, but it's still good. Send it to him, okay? So here we go. Um, even though I could talk a lot about money and the way things roll, it's a hard topic for me, too, because after coming through this season of, of doing the statements, um, I see everyone's giving, whether I want to or not. And, and I, I make a mental note as it's coming across, this person's giving this amount, this person's this regular in their giving. Um, I'm the only one that gets to see that. Um, Scott doesn't even want to know about it, so it's, it's on me. But as I'm generating those statements, I look and I see who gives and who doesn't. You know, I see friends. I see leaders in the church. You know, I see people that I don't even know except by their giving. And I see those that I know are doing really well financially. And they're not giving very much. You know? And, and, and it hurts because not so much that well, they're give, they have a lot of money. They just bought a new car. They should be able to give to the church. It's not about that. It's about missing a blessing and, and, and reaping that joy that you get from, from being obedient. On the other hand, I see folks that I know are struggling week to week just to make ends meet, and I see them being faithful. I see them giving their tithe. 
I see them going over and above. And that's so very encouraging. You know, that's, that's one of those things that I, I pray over every statement that's generated as I've gone through the list. And I pray that God will open some eyes and soften some hearts. And I pray that the others continue to, to, to reap the blessings that come off of it. It's really, really important. And, and, and I shouldn't, but I take it very personally. So um, know that you've been prayed over. One way or the other, you've been prayed over, okay? Um, as I talk to people about church finances, I, I normally get the same questions. What's this tithe thing? What's it all about? Isn't that an Old Testament thing and we don't have to do it, deal with that now? And why does God want my money? Good questions. Those could be sermons, teachings for a whole Sunday morning. Absolutely, Scott could cover that. Scott's covered that in the last two weeks from the, the book, ABCs of Financial Freedom, the A's and the B's. A is attitude, the acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God in our finances, and B, the bondage, be aware to avoid the bondage of debt. This week, I'm going to cover C. See how that goes? A, B, C, okay? I can get that far at least. And it is the choice, the choice to obey God and make tithing the centerpiece of our financial freedom. In the last few weeks, Scott's dropped that dreaded T word several times, tithe. What does that mean? Tithing in the Bible refers to giving 10% of your annual income your, and your productions, your, your possessions back to God. The word in Hebrew literally means 10th. That establishes the amount, the standard, the expectation that from God that 10% of everything that he has given to us, he wants, wants back. Leviticus 27, 30. Okay, if I'm, there's a lot of verses that I'm going to go over in here. And if I'm reading the verses, it sounds like I'm reading the verses, which means it sounds like I just bought something at Ikea and I'm, put, I'm reading the instructions. Okay? So in order to add a little bit more to this, I've asked the person that I know enjoys reading out loud scripture the most, and when you, when you hear her read from the Bible, you know she's read from the Bible, and it's better than anyone else could do. So I've asked Shelly to do that for me. So she's going to be my voiceover, my voice from the heavens above coming down to bless you. Okay? And you're welcome. Is that okay with everyone? Okay, so Shelley, enlighten us. <laughs> Leviticus 27.30 One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Remember, God owns everything. Scott made that, that clear back in week A about the attitude. It's not ours, it's his. He's just letting us use it with a few strings attached. And the biggest of those strings is the tithe. He sets that expectation. The tithe, in my opinion, and reading through everything, is, has been with us since the very, very beginning. The first reference, I believe, was in the Cain and Abel story. When it was time for the harvest, 
Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Do you see what happened there? Abel brought his best. The firstborn from his flock, the purest. Okay? Cain brought some of his crops. It didn't say he brought the best. It didn't say he brought the first. He, he brought some. And then Cain was upset because God didn't accept his, his, his gift. So you realize that this led to the first murder in human history. And it all comes back to giving to God. Isn't that interesting? God wants us to bring his best, to bring our best, to bring our first. And if you do so, he'll bless you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now don't let all this talk about grain and livestock and fruit confuse you. He's talking about your income. He's talking about your possessions, your finances. Back in the day, grain, produce, and livestock was like currency, okay? That's, that's what you traded for things you needed. Your economic standing was, was based on how many head of livestock you had, how many bushels of whatever you could, you could reap and harvest. Now, I'm asking you right now, don't start bringing chickens in here, okay? Because that's, that's not what we're about. It's, about. it's the same thing. Cash, money equals what they're talking about there by bringing those, those offerings in. Now, if you have a, a side of beef or something like that, let me know. I want to talk to you about that. We can make a deal work, okay? Just saying. Um, but the thing is, is no matter if it's chickens or if it's cash today, it still all belongs to God. No doubt about it. So why would God be interested in your money? God doesn't need your money. God's got everything he needs. It's all his to begin with. What he wants is you. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. And he knows that money is what we just need to survive. And it causes this conflict in our heart that for a place of, of priority. So let me ask you this. What are the first two commandments in the Ten Commandments? Anyone know? First one is, you must not have any other God but me. Okay? The second is, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. What's money turn into for us? We will do absolutely anything we will worship money. And that, that's, that may be sound like a harsh statement that we worship money, but think about it. 
We really do. We'll do anything we can in order to get more money. We're going to chase it. We're going to change our priorities. We're going to work overtime on Sunday because that's double time. I'm, I'm, I'm going after that. Think about that. Where is things in your life, priority-wise, is God first or is that paycheck first? It's a hard question. He doesn't want to be second fiddle to anything or third or 20th or anything like that. He wants to be first, and that's where that conflict comes out. So much that he's willing to challenge you. Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Did you catch that as well? As far as I know, this is the only place in the Bible that, that, that God has one of those, here, hold my beer moments, you know? Here, watch this. You do what I say and watch what happens, you know? Test me and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Do you believe this? Do you believe that God will do this? Do you think he'll live up to his side of the, of the bargain? Here's where I'm going to step on some toes and kind of get blunt and get real personal, okay? Jesus said it. In Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your hearts will be also. What's in your heart? If we opened up your checkbook today, could we tell that you're a Christian? And the one real hard statement that I'm going to come back to over and over is a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably really hasn't reached your heart. Does that hurt? But it's a true statement. Time and time again, I talk to people that, that are, are believers, that, are, that are, are serving, they're doing everything that they want, or they think they're doing right, but they're not giving. They haven't opened up their wallet yet. Think about that. And how do you fall in there? I believe that there's, in this room right now, there's three groups of people. The first group believes it's all mine. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. I can do what I want with it. If I come to church, they say, I can give up if I want to. But if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to. If I feel like it, I will. But it's all mine, and I can do what I want with it. Okay? Second group believes the tithe belongs to God. The rest is mine, all 90% of it, down to the penny. In obedience, I give it to him. And with the rest, I will do what I want, 
It's up to me. The third group, it all belongs to God, everything. I return to him what he has commanded, his tithe, and he entrusts me with the rest of his money. I still have to pray about every expenditure. I pray about my lifestyle and to be a good steward to all of his money is my, is my goal. Now, there's a radical difference between the first two groups and the third. The first says, I'm the owner, and I will share with God if I feel like it. The second group is an attitude. I'll share with God because I have to. Not because they want to, because they have to. But the rest is still, still theirs. The third group's attitude is it's all, it's all God's, and he shares it with me. If we give wholeheartedly, cheerfully, obediently, and we prioritize ourselves correctly, we will get those blessings, and God will open up heaven itself and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. It all comes down to your faith. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not one of those, those prosperity preachers that's out there, if, if you think it, it'll happen, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that as you're walking out into the parking lot on your way to the gathering, the $650 million lottery ticket's going to come from a dove down to heaven and land on your shoulder and give you that ticket. I'm not saying that, because he's going to do that to me, okay? <laughs> but I am saying that he's going to give you what you need. Not always what you want. He's going to give you what you need. Now, I've, at the beginning, I said I'm, I'm real passionate about the tithe. And I am because I'm an example of that. Um, several years ago, before I started working here, I wasn't. Absolutely wasn't. Shelly was great. She would nag me about giving money and tithing and everything. And we would tithe off of hers because I didn't want to hear, hear it from her. She was a good Christian. I wasn't. I was like a lot of people when it comes to, I'll give if I feel like it, or if I have something in my pocket, I'll throw it in. She gave her 10% and more, okay? I was working at the time for a, a nonprofit group, and I thought I was doing really well. We would do consulting and help other nonprofits. And we built the organization up, and then I was running around helping people and working in circles with the president of the United Ways for downtown Cincinnati and up here in Butler County. I was working with the governor's office of faith-based and nonprofit organizations. I was working with Greater Cincinnati Foundations. I was in with the, you know, with them up here. And I thought, I'm doing all right. Organization decided to go in a different direction, and it, I wasn't part of that direction. So... I lost my job. Lost my job, and I was out of work for two years. At first, I was still going to—I was still making it on my own, and I—I was—I was doing all right. We burned through our savings, we burned through our retirement, and we were basically living off of unemployment at the time. And and Shelley was home with the kids homeschooling them and helping them through online school and stuff like that as well. And Shelly said, if we tithe, we'll be okay. And I'm one of these guys that has to see the path. You know, I have to see where it's at. I put it down on paper. I got the budget lined out. I know what's coming in. I know what's going out. 
and 10% out of it did not make any sense. I'm like, it won't happen. I finally gave in and said, okay, I got nothing else to lose. I'm gonna, I'll tithe, I'll, I'll do it. So I started tithing. And I saw results right away. Strange things that, 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 that just doesn't line up. Unemployment, this is back when um, the, the crash about t- 10 years ago, about 2010, and um, unemployment was about to run out. They had an extension. Then they raised the, the amount that you get. That helped cover, the, cover it as well. I went and applied for that, that mortgage thing, remember, that no one ever got, you know, oh, we'll help you, we'll reduce your mortgage rate, we'll, we'll do all of those things for you. I got that. Out of the blue. Unemployment's getting ready to run out again. They have another extension. There would be times where we'd go to the mailbox and there would just be a random envelope with, with cash in it. It says, praying for you guys, right when we needed it. Did it make sense? Not at all. Did God step in and intervene and, and give us what we need? Absolutely. And open doors. If it wasn't for that, that, that time and God opening doors and slamming other ones shut, I wouldn't be standing here today. But as I went through that period, I came to see, okay, maybe there is something to this whole tithe thing. Maybe God is working. And then it went from maybe he's working to this is the God thing. He's definitely working. He's carrying us through this until the point where I was helping out here part-time and Scott finally just came and said, why don't you come to work here with us? And this was the door that, that kept being flung wide open and nothing else was opening up for, for two years. That's how I got here today, because of tithing. Does it work? Yes. Does it make sense? Nope. Nope. But it does. And the greatest blessing was this sense of freedom. You get this sense just lifted off of you. It's like, okay, I'm not in charge. I recognize that now. Take the wheel. You got this. I'm following your lead. And even to this day, I mean, things aren't perfect. We don't have a a lot of money in our bank account, but we're comfortable. We have what we need. And God still works. When it gets tight, something magically happens, and we're blessed, and here we are. It works. It really, really works. Often, again, when I'm talking with people, you know, the discussion of tithing comes up, and like I said earlier, well, isn't this an Old Testament principle? We're living underneath a new covenant since Jesus here, and tithing doesn't apply to Christians um, or the New Testament church. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about that statement, okay? Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, 
I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That alone tells me where Jesus thought about the, the tithe. The tithe is a principle that he would have stood by. But I also feel that Jesus expects a whole lot more from us than just the tithe. The tithe is just a starting point. I think Jesus wants the tithe plus an offering. Remember this story in Mark? As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all those commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Hmm. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I think Jesus was able to look into the man's heart and see where his treasures really lie. Did that young man believe in that Jesus was the Christ? Yeah, I think he probably did. But he wasn't willing to open up his wallet. He was at that point. Follow me, give it all away. And he chose to hold on to the earthly possessions. Jesus didn't say give 10%. He said give it all away. Tithes are a starting expectation point just for being obedient. Offerings are anything that you do in God's name over and above the tithe. If you look at our online giving, you'll see the category that pops up. It says gifts, tithes, offerings. I set it up that way because it's kind of all lumped together. But if you look at it the way it's organized, gifts are those things that you just throw in. Kind of where I was before. If I have something in my pocket and I feel like it, I'm going to throw it in there. That's a gift. Tithes, that's the expectation that God has. Offerings, anything above that. And, and I get also a lot of questions about why I help other organizations. Um, that's great. But God says to bring your tithe into the storehouse. This is your storehouse, your home church. This is where the tithe's supposed to go. Nowhere else does it say, oh, you can divide it up and give it however you want. 
and I'm stepping on toes. I know a lot of people think, oh, I, I got this bucket, that's my tithe, and I'm going to spread it around. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you bring it into the storehouse. Offerings can go wherever you want them to go, and you're going to be blessed off of the offerings. But bring everything into the storehouse so that we can grow the kingdom here and, in, and breathe into your lives. Amen. That's what you're supposed to do. I also get a lot of the questions about um, giving my time. I don't have enough money to really make a difference, so I'm just going to give my time as well. And that's all right. That's great. God wants you to do that. But, but there's no... Ex- there's no replacing the tithe. It doesn't say, well, if you do this much work, it equips to this much percentage, so you're good. It's not a this or a that. It's a and. The tithe is, is about obedience. It's not okay to say, well, I get my time in, in, in place. But the, the right question is, can you give your time in addition to the tithe? Absolutely. And that comes into the offerings. An offering can be both financial as well as service. But the baseline is still that 10% tithe coming back in. That's, that's your way of, of blessing and being obedient. Serving's an awesome form of generosity and, and you're gonna get so much personally out of serving. And, there's, there's no diff- I mean, there's nothing like working with the kids and seeing them grow and seeing them sing the songs as they're walking out or seeing the students, what they're developing into and the difference you're making in someone's life by serving on the prayer team. It's a totally different experience that you would get by serving. And the Bible encourages us to, be in, to do that, to be over the top and be that, that servant. You know, I, I know this has been a lot and I've beat you over the head with some things, you know, but I, I, I stand on what I've been saying. It's a topic I feel strong about. The tithe is more than just a financial transaction. The tithe is about your attitude about money, about your things, but mostly it's about your faith. It's more basic. It's, it's a choice. Are you going to do what God has flat out told you to do or not? What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Here's my challenge to you as I'm starting to wrap up. If you're interested in taking those steps towards tithing, I can help you do that. It's easy. We've got people that are willing to sit down and help you budget to help you identify ways that you can you can trim expenses to make it happen. If you're a person like I am that has to see it to make it work in, in your existing budget, 
we have people that can help do that for you. If you just want to take that step and say, just take it, and let's see what happens, I can help you set that up electronically so that just like the way it comes out, out of mine and Shelley's paycheck, right off the top, you won't see it, but you'll know it's going out. Every time that we get paid, I, I look at that, that withdrawal that happened before I even see it, and I say, thank you, God, for what you've done for me and what you're going to do for me. I know a lot of people say that if you do that, it's kind of cheating because you're not making that effort that you have to to make the sacrifice. You've made that, you made that choice already right off the top. It's your first thing no matter what happens. Whether you're here on a Sunday, on vacation or whatever, my 10%, my tithe is going to be coming out. There's, there's a lot of opportunities for you and a lot of blessings that you're missing out on if, if you're not tithing. Remember that really harsh statement I said, a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably really hasn't reached your heart. Does that sting? I hope it does. I really do. I hope it does. That gives you something to think about. If you thought you were good, are you? Based on this, based on the, the expectation that God lays out, think about taking those steps to being obedient. Remember, he wants to, you to test him, to take that step and just watch the blessings come. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out the blessings beyond your wildest dreams. That sounds good to me. As we wrap things up, we're going to have folks down front here to pray over anything, any needs you have. If you need to walk closer with, with Christ, they can help you take those steps and pray over those. If you need them to pray over you as well and, and help you to make that connection between your wallet and, and your faith and your heart, they can help with that as well. I'm around. I'll be here at the gathering eating pizza and stuff, so find me. I can help you with that too. The main thing is we want you to have all the blessings. Everything that you're missing out on, we want you to have. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this day, and just thank you for everything that you give us. We know we don't deserve any of it, much less all you give. And all you ask is a small portion of it back, that we are obedient to your word, so that there's no others more important in our life than you. Father, I pray that you just continue to bless those that are obedient. And I pray that you, you work wonders and open the hearts of those that need to hear you say, test me. See if I don't give you your wildest desires. Father, thank you for everything. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for putting up with me.